The Gospel lesson for the second Sunday after Pentecost comes from the Gospel according to Mark, beginning in chapter 2, verse 23, and we'll read through chapter 3, verse 6, and it's on page 708 of the Pew Bible. Uh, The reading is closely connected with the Old Testament lesson concerning the third commandment, and in this Gospel lesson, Jesus helps us see the gift in the third commandment. So please stand as you are able for the gospel from Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 23, we read in Jesus' name. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath." Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Saints, Your sins are forgiven, and Jesus promises you rest. He gives you rest from the burden of the law. No longer do God's commandments condemn you, because Jesus has borne the full weight of our condemnation. He has made satisfaction for our sins, and he has freed us from the burden of the law. This weight, which is too much for us to carry, has been lifted. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus, he also promises us eternal rest from the toilsome labors of this life. And by eternal rest, I do not mean physical death, which we often refer to as sleep for Christians. Sometimes you might hear the phrase rest in peace when someone dies. And I'm not really sure what the origin of the phrase is, but for Christians, death is not Rest. When we talk about rest, we are talking about life. So the phrase eternal rest, it might invoke the idea of, I don't know, sleeping for eternity, but that's not what it means. The rest Jesus promises is a conscious and physical life in God's new creation. It's more like the rest that you have when you're sitting on the back porch sipping lemonade or when you're tending your garden when you actually want to be tending your garden. There's activity involved, but it's not labor. It's perfectly enjoyable and restful. 
And that's the point of this text, and that's the point of this sermon, that your sins are forgiven and Jesus promises you rest. Sometimes I make you wait until the end before the main point of a sermon is uh, finally revealed, and I realize that that might take a little bit of work on the part of you as listeners. I hope it's worth the effort of paying attention and thinking through a text with me. But since the theme of this text and the theme of this sermon is rest, uh, I thought it best to not require you to work too hard in order to get the point. Jesus gives you rest from the burden of the law and the toilsome labors of life. That's the point. But how do we get to this conclusion? I hope you don't just take my word for it. I do hope that you believe me when I tell you that your sins are forgiven and Jesus promises you eternal rest. But don't just take my word for it. Don't just think, oh, he went to seminary, so he knows this stuff. You have to make a pastor show his work. And I have to prove it from the scriptures. So we do the work of looking at the scriptures, and we consider the way Jesus is revealed to us in the scriptures. And then after this work, we have rest in his grace. We have before us two different encounters Jesus has with the Pharisees on the Sabbath day. In the first account, Jesus and his disciples were passing through a grain field. And the disciples were hungry, so they plucked some grain from... Uh, the field, and they ate it as they were going. And the Pharisees, they took issue with this, thinking that it was a violation of the law of Moses. Now, it wasn't a violation of the law at all. On one level, it, it kind of seems to us like they were stealing, because the, the grain belonged to someone else, but they took it and ate it. But the law of Moses, it actually allowed for this. Now, it was against the law to take a sickle to your neighbor's grain and harvest it. Uh, that was stealing. But it was perfectly legal to pluck some as you walked by and eat it. That was allowed by the law of Moses. So the disciples weren't stealing at all. And the Pharisees knew this, so they didn't accuse them of stealing. What the Pharisees accused them of was breaking the Sabbath law. That is the third commandment. And this is what we read in the Old Testament lesson. God commanded the Israelites to work for six days and rest on the seventh. They were to do no work on the seventh day. And this is kind of an odd thing about our fallen human condition, that God has to command us to rest. The Sabbath was given to the Israelites as a gift. God promised to provide for all the needs of their lives seven days a week, even though they only had to work for six. Now, maybe that doesn't sound too great to us since we have a standard five-day work week. We take two days off, but we have to realize that's mostly because of our technology. We've made work easy enough that we can afford to take a couple days off. But in 1400 BC, people usually worked every day. They had to in order to survive. So imagine then the privilege of having every seventh day off. They had this privilege because God promised to provide for their needs. It was a gift to them. But God also knew that if he didn't give a commandment to protect this gift, the people would throw it away and go work every day. And that's just because most of the world had to do that in order to survive. So, yes, the third commandment is a commandment. But the whole point of it is to protect the gift of rest. 
So the Israelites, they had this law to protect the gift, but the Pharisees turned it into a burden. So they actually robbed the people of rest. The primary theological error of the Pharisees was the belief that God's favor was to be earned rather than given. So the law of Moses was seen as the means for earning God's favor. If a person wanted to get in good with God, they had to perfectly keep the law. So violations of the law were to be avoided at all costs. And, well, we of course agree that one should not violate God's law. That shouldn't be controversial. But in order to make sure that people didn't even accidentally break God's law, the Pharisees would build a fence around the law with all their regulations. They would take the commandment one step further than what God actually commanded. So, for example, if God commanded them to not eat a certain food, the Pharisees would make a rule that you weren't allowed to touch it either, because then a tiny little bit of it might stay on your hands and get into your mouth. In order to avoid breaking the law, they put a fence around it. But the the thing is, they didn't put the fence on the boundary. They put a fence 20 feet back from the boundary. So they made a whole bunch of extra laws to protect people from getting close to breaking the real laws. And it became a real burden. And with the Sabbath commandment, they couldn't let the commandment just rest at you shall not do any work. Of course, they had to define what work meant. And I suppose that question was bound to come up anyway, but uh, they were extremely nitpicky with it. So the result was that there were so many Sabbath regulations that the Sabbath became a burden to people. I mean, things that you do in your everyday life to actually make your life easier, they weren't allowed to do. And so the Sabbath became the exact opposite of what God intended. Remember, it's supposed to be about rest. So when the Pharisees got after the disciples for plucking grain, Jesus put them in their place. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Or in other words, this is a gift. Don't make them slaves to it. The whole point of the Sabbath is rest, and that's actually what the word means. It comes from the Hebrew verb Shabbat, which means to rest. And the basis of the Sabbath is in the creation of the world. Actually, it's in both the creation of the world and the exodus from Egypt. Uh, The Ten Commandments are recorded in two different places by Moses, and the reason for the Sabbath is different between them. The first place is Exodus 20. There the reason for the Sabbath command is that God created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. And this rest of the seventh day wasn't just for God, but it was intended for all of creation. And this Sabbath rest was actually intended to last forever. Man was created to live eternally in God's Sabbath rest. It was only because of the fall into sin that that first Sabbath rest came to an end. So the Sabbath day is a reminder to us of how God intends his creation to be. And if God intends his creation to be a certain way, then we can be sure that it will again. And so this actually provides a framework for reading the entire Bible. We can see the whole Bible as the history of God restoring the Sabbath rest that was lost in the fall. And at the center of this history, of course, is the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
primarily in his death and resurrection. That's the means that God uses to restore his eternal Sabbath. And then the other place the Ten Commandments are recorded is in Deuteronomy 5, and that's the one that we read from today. There the reason for the Sabbath is the exodus, because the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought them out. He had proven his power and mercy to them, and so now the idea is, since I've proven this, you should trust me to provide for all of your needs, even when you take a day off from working. So the Israelites were to keep the Sabbath both because God had created them and because he had delivered them from Egypt. And the whole point of all of this is rest. God was promising them rest, and he wanted to protect this gift. So in the first part of the gospel lesson, the one with the the disciples eating the grain, Jesus teaches that the commandment is not supposed to be a burden. And then in the second account, Jesus demonstrates that he has come to restore perfect and eternal rest. It also hints at how he's going to do this. Now this part, it takes place in the synagogue, and there's a man there with a withered hand. So the Pharisees, they're watching to see if Jesus would heal him. And this is kind of funny because there isn't actually any commandment against healing on the Sabbath day. All Jesus did was speak to the man. The Pharisees didn't even have regulations against this. All Jesus did was speak to the man. He told him to to stretch out his hand, and then it was restored. Not only did Jesus not break any biblical command, he didn't even break the Pharisees' extra rules. But they had it out for him anyways. Uh, They had already set themselves against Jesus. And Jesus, he knew this all along. Now, Jesus, he knew beforehand that he was going to heal this man, and he knew that the Pharisees were going to be angry about it. So he asks them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or harm, to save life or to kill? And they were silent. And this is interesting. Uh, Throughout this whole lesson, the Pharisees are silent when Jesus speaks. It's just this one-sided conversation where Jesus keeps speaking. They can't refute him. Now, at the beginning, they rebuke the disciples, but then Jesus defends them. And then, you notice this in the text, then Jesus speaks again, then he speaks again, and again, and again. And throughout this whole text, the Pharisees are silent until they go off and make plans to kill him. And Jesus knew this, too. He knew what they were plotting, and that's why he asks, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or to kill. And the irony is just rich here. Jesus uses the Sabbath to restore a man's hand. And this is perfectly in line with the whole idea of the Sabbath. He is restoring the man's hand to the way God intended it to be. And this is a picture of Jesus' entire mission. He came to restore God's good creation. He came to restore God's creation to the way God intended it to be in the beginning. And when this is done, when everything is restored in the new creation, then the Sabbath will be perfectly restored. And it won't just be one day a week, it will be every day, because that is how God intended it in the first place. 
So the restoration of this man's hand is just a tiny little sample of the restoration of all things and Jesus' eternal Sabbath rest. But while Jesus uses the Sabbath day to restore life, the Pharisees use it to plot death. And this is so ironic. Their zeal for the Sabbath commandment leads them to plot death. But remember, death is the whole opposite of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about life and the restoration of life to God's good creation. So their zeal for the commandment actually sets them at odds with the Sabbath. But it also fits into the whole scheme of Jesus' ministry. Because the one thing necessary for Jesus to do in order to restore eternal rest is to die. The fall into sin and the curse of death that came upon the creation is what brought an end to the first Sabbath rest. So in order for Jesus to restore the Sabbath rest, he must bear this curse of death and put an end to it. It's not enough to just tell the man to stretch out his hand. Jesus must also go to the cross and remove the curse of sin and death, the curse which caused the hand to be withered in the first place. So Jesus intends to die in order to restore the Sabbath rest. The Pharisees plot to kill Jesus out of zeal for the Sabbath command, a command that Jesus didn't actually break, but Jesus intends this death to restore the Sabbath rest. They hate him because he gives rest. He forgives sins, granting rest to burdened consciences. He restores wholeness to broken bodies, granting rest from the curse of sin and death. And the death they they inflict upon him will be the very thing he uses to restore the eternal Sabbath rest. So, dear saints, your sins are forgiven, and Jesus promises you rest. He gives you rest from the burden of the law, No longer do God's commandments condemn you because Jesus has borne the full weight of our condemnation. He has made satisfaction for our sins, and he has freed us from the burden of the law. Your sins are forgiven. And Jesus promises us eternal rest from the toilsome labors of this life. At his return, the curse of sin and death will be lifted, and his forgiven saints will be set at rest in the perfect and eternal new creation. The Sabbath rest will be restored forever. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.